Hey, well, hey, we're in this series. Uh, we're just starting today uh, called, uh, Do You See What I See? It's on, it's on the screen. Do you see what I see? That's what, that's what it's called. Uh, so kind of the whole, well, well, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, are you guys hot? Yes. Holy cow. You know, sometimes we, it's just, it's just, even if you can't change anything, we're going to talk about control this morning, and maybe this is a, an appropriate thing. We can't control it. Uh, I'd like to. We're really trying. Uh, we're gonna, yeah, my gosh, I'm going to have a conversation with the facility manager uh, tomorrow. But, man, it is hot. So I don't know what the Lord's trying to do in you. I don't know who's like, who prayed this morning, God, I want to I learn patience. Okay, then you did this to us. We blame you. Uh, but holy cow. Okay. Well, you know, sometimes it's just good to identify pain uh, and share that together. So we're going to make a memory. Remember that one time I went to a sauna at church? We're going to do hot yoga together. Sweet Lord. Okay. I guess, have you ever seen that movie, uh, Vantage Point? You ever seen the movie Vantage Point? I was like, that's like a hard left. Weird, like, what just happened? Um, it's one of my favorite movies. Not because it's a great movie. It's pretty decent. You know, it's fair to Midland, but it's the, the premise of it is really cool. So there's like this situation that happens. I'm not going to ruin it for you. There's a situation that happens, and it goes from one person's perspective. You don't realize you're seeing it one, from one person's perspective, but you are. And then uh, it kind of goes to the story. Then it rewinds the beginning of the situation, goes to a different person's perspective, and it goes to the same thing from theirs. And it does that a few times. And every time you see a different perspective, a different vantage point, eh? every time you see a different vantage point, you get a fuller picture of what's actually going on in the story. <clears throat> what's super cool is that that's what this series is about. And this happens every single Sunday. The people are part of the same uh, service, part of the same worship experience, hear the same teaching. But then afterwards, when I ask people, you know, what did you take from today? Or they'll text, you'll, you'll text me or whatever. It's amazing. It almost sounds like you guys were part of different services. You know what I mean? Right? And it's like, wait, were you part of the same thing? But from your perspective, the Lord spoke to you in a way that was different, highlighted some things in a different way. And that's the Christmas story. The Christmas story, what's so wild is it's the most amazing thing to happen in creation since creation, right? The, uh, it's, it's God becoming man. And sometimes we, the, those of you guys that grew up in church, you, you hear this stuff and you're like, it gets old to you, right? But God becomes man, right? The infinite becomes finite. It's Bethlehem. It's during the census. And so the town was packed Think Times Squares, Times Squares, Times Square during New Year's. Uh, think Disneyland at Christmas, and you're just kind of herding through to the fireworks and after the fireworks. Think like Irvine Spectrum parking lot anytime, ever, throughout the whole year. It's like that kind of vibe. This is, this is Bethlehem, right? The town is packed, hustle and bustle. People are in a hurry, right? Full schedules. And then off the beaten path, a couple streets over, there's a room that's meant to house animals, and it's actually housing a young couple. And the universe is leaning in as creation comes into its creation as a baby. It's an amazing once-in-eternity kind of event. And the wild thing is, is that except for a few people and some animals, everyone missed it, Right? Why do I say that? This Christmas season, in the middle of all the hustle and bustle, in the middle of uh, gifts and white elephant exchanges and family parties and church services, in the middle of obligations, especially those of you guys that work retail, 
I am praying for you, right? In the middle of all the busyness. No one ever says, man, ah, the holidays are so chill, right? And then not to mention all the awkward stuff of just being part of the relationships you're a part of, right? The ones that share your last name or maybe you share an apartment, but either way, you somehow your lives are connected and it's awkward, right? And so all of that stuff in the middle of all that, can you not miss it too? Don't miss it. Don't miss, you know, we, we, people always say, you know, keep the Christ in Christmas. And, you know, my challenge maybe to us this season too is uh, maybe let's keep the Christ in Christians too and how we handle ourselves uh, around people. So anyways, put a pin in that. We'll talk about that another time. So <clears throat> what we talk about today is what was it like to look at Mary's perspective? We're going to look from Mary's perspective. What was it like to walk through her shoes to see through her eyes? So question for you, and I actually do want to hear uh, back from you. If you were to see <clears throat> a social media post uh, where someone said, you know, hashtag blessed or hashtag favor, right, what kind of post would you expect to see? Anybody can just yell it out. Good news, yeah. New car. You're like, I feel like you're like praying. I, I hope it's a new car. What else? Ted, did you say something? Flying first, yeah, if you get upgraded, yeah, I, I, I flew somewhere recently, and uh, they were like, hey, did you get upgraded? I'm like, well, if, it, was, it was like an hour before the flight. I was like, if 43 people die between now and when the flight boards, then I'm, I'm in it for first class. But no, yeah, if you get bumped up, beautiful moment, Lord shining, yeah. What else? What else? Promotion, yeah. What's that? Payday, I think you said Aiden. Like, our youth pastor was like, okay, all right, yeah. What else? Blessed. I am blessed. Family. Yeah. Most days, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> What's wild is we got Mary here. She's blessed and highly favored, the Bible says we'll read. But you know what else about Mary? She's the first one to endure shame for Jesus, right? She's the first one to experience ridicule for Jesus, She had to follow God when his plan made no sense. She had to follow God when his plan, honestly, it wasn't fair. Not only was it inconvenient, it honestly was not fair. But she sure didn't feel blessed. She sure didn't feel highly favored. And for Mary to follow God, the thing that she had to give up was one word that we all really love, and the word is control. Control. You can't follow God and have to be in control, right? I, I, think, I would dare to say it's hard to be in any relationship if you have to be in control, right? So a uh, question for you is, uh, how many of you guys have at least one area of your life that you like to have control in? We're not going to make you say anything, yeah, yeah, go ahead and raise your hands loud and proud, yeah. And if you're wanting to lift up the hand next to you, you're like, oh man, they need to lift up their hand. Maybe that's an area you're trying to control, Okay, we're going to dive into that Christmas story. My, my prayer is that you'll find yourself in Mary's story because all of us can at some level. And I hope, my prayer is that you'll see that her story is being played out every day today. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 1, uh, part of the Christmas story. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. Other translations say, You are blessed and highly favored. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And then it, and then it says what? Confused and disturbed. 
confused and disturbed. From the very beginning, she's like, I don't feel blessed, right? Mary tries to think of what the angel could mean. Because her circumstances right away were like, what are you talking about? I don't, you know, some people say, well, this is humility. Mary was so humble. I don't know if that's what it is. I think she's just confused. She's like, what is going on? Some of you guys are confused and disturbed right now. Some of you guys are in situations it may not be over, like, overwhelming situations, but some of you guys are. I was texting with someone yesterday who's watching this from a hospital room right now. Definitely confused and disturbed, right? Definitely tension going on right now. Definitely, God, this is not what I had planned. This is not what I wanted to happen. I can't handle this. Some of us are, you know, in the room are experiencing the same thing. How am I going to figure this thing out? I never thought I'd experience this. How come that this happens has to happen to me? God, why me? Why not somebody else? Like, why do I have to go through this? This is not the way I thought it was going to go. This is not the way that I thought you told me it was going to go. Right? Maybe it's a family situation. Maybe it's when you look at your retirement account right now and it's not what you want it to be. Maybe it looks, it's about your aspirations for where you want to live and what that looks like. You know, like, this is not going the way I want it to go. Maybe it's something where, honestly, you forget about it and you kind of life goes on. And the most random time it hits you and you remember that thing that you want to control that you can't control, that thing that causes confusion, the thing that causes you to be disturbed, you remember it again, you're like, oh. And it's like if someone could see your face, they could literally see your countenance drop because you remember that thing again. So this is what Mary is going through. We'll keep reading. It says this, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Sweet. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Hey, I haven't taken AP bio, but I kind of know the basics, right? Uh, I'm a virgin, so I don't know if you got the wrong address, but, you know, angel replied, hey, we got that. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and will be called the Son of God. Now, if you're Mary, you're going, that's not an answer, bro. Like, that's not, like, that doesn't explain it at all. I don't know what you just said. The power of the Most High will overshadow me? Cool. I'm a virgin. Like, I don't know if you know how babies work, but that's not going to happen. So obviously, Mary replied, okay, hey, thank you, but no thanks. Uh, appreciate it. Appreciate it, but uh, this isn't convenient for me. Look, I don't know if you come to my room, but I have a, I have a dream board. I have my five-year plan, and uh, this doesn't really line up. That's what Mary said, right? She, she said, hey, this isn't what I dreamed. This isn't what I, what, what, what I expected would happen. Hey, my parents have had expectations on me my whole life, and this is not line up with their expectations. My friends all through school have said, Mary, you're going to be this. I voted most likely to not get pregnant by God. And so I really would be like if this didn't happen, right? Like this doesn't go with my plan at all. I don't want to be pregnant in my wedding dress. And then have to explain to everybody, yeah, it, no, it's, no I've, been, I've been faithful. No, it's, it, God got me pregnant to all my friends as they're going, okay, right? So is that how Mary responded? No, here's what, here's what it's, uh, the Bible says that she said. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything, may everything you have said about me come true when the angel left her. And their translation says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. In other words, she goes, 
Let it be. Let it be. Here's why this is such a huge deal. Confused and disturbed. Confused. What the heck is going on? Disturbed. It's not what I want. It's not what I want at all. This is not me the same ballpark of what I want. Yet, let it be. Here's also wild. Confused and disturbed. No peace, no clarity, no plan, no promise even other than a very confusing one. Yet, blessed and highly favored. We in the church many times don't put those two together. I'm blessed, yeah. So you're probably confused and disturbed, right? No. I just got clarity. Oh. You're blessed, right? So that means that you, are, you have no idea and what, what, what's going to go on and God's asking you to give up everything you, that you wanted to do, right? No. God gave me what I wanted. God gave me the new thing. God gave me the thing that I've been wanting this for a long time. Oh. See, Mary would say that you can be blessed and highly favored and get the very opposite of what you wanted to get. See, a lot of times in our faith, we don't have what's called a theology of suffering, right? We have a theology of prosperity. We think if God is with me, then all these great things will happen. But do you know why in the earlier passage it said that the angel told Mary, the Lord is with you? Do you know why I think that's why the angel had to say that to Mary? Because you're about to go through a whole lot of experiences where you're going to feel like the Lord left you. People around you are going to go, the Lord left you, because look at this evidence. If the Lord was with you, then it would, you wouldn't be going through this. But you need to know from the messenger of the Lord, the Lord is with you, that you cannot, you cannot allow the circumstances to be interpreted as, as whether God's presence is with you or not. You are blessed. You're highly favored. And I know what maybe some of you guys are thinking as we lean into control is like, man, my spouse needs to hear this message about control or my, <clears throat> my boss needs to hear this message about control. My sister, man, that conversation at Thanksgiving, she's so controlling. Or my neighbor calling the HOA, they are so controlling. And you're like, me? No, I'm not controlling. I'm aggressively helpful, but I'm not like controlling, <laughs> right? But if you're honest, some of you guys, you want to control everything, Right? You want to control what your, uh, what your kids wear, who they hang out with, where they go. You want to control where they go to college. And at some point, maybe when you're 90 years old, you realize that control is an illusion. That you can't control anybody. You can barely control yourself, if you're honest. Right? Some of you guys want to control everyone around you. Some of you guys notice and judge everyone. What they say, what they wear, how they chew, right? How they breathe. Some of you guys are super judgy because people are breathing through their mouths and not their noses. And you're like, oh, that... You're like an imbecile, but you know, it's like you're, you're, and you're like, you know my thoughts? Yes, right? Some of you guys are that way. Some of you guys judge people by how they, you know, how they keep, what, what condition they keep their car in. Some of you guys, and this person is me, you, you kind of judge people at times by how they vacuum the floor because everyone knows that Jesus vacuumed in like perfect lines. If, well, you know, back when, you know, we used to have carpet, <laughs> we, now we don't because it makes way more sense, um, but my kids would vacuum and it looks like they just were blindly just swinging at things. And I'm like, these patterns make no sense. Like the, I can feel heaven weeping when they see this, like it needs to look a certain, anyways, that's my control issue. Thank you, thank you for the group therapy. Some of you guys, what your biggest thing you control is, is you control what people think about you. Man, that is your biggest, you want people to see you a certain way and your biggest weapon is social media. 
And so you craft this image, you curate this image so that people see you the way you want them to see you. And you'll even, like, the way you handle maybe family pictures, like you'll be stern and harsh with your kids because my friends need to know that we're a loving family. So smile. Hashtag blessed. Right? Control, control. Here's what I want us to understand. And as a recovering uh, control freak, I'm gone from terrible to pretty bad. All right? So, like, I'm not saying I'm an expert in this. I'm just saying I've gotten less bad uh, with this. All right? So some of you guys are there with me. But here's what's important for us to know. The more you try to control, the more you try to control, the more you will fear losing control. And the more you fear losing control, the more you will try to control. All right, keep that up there. This is in every situation. The more you can try to control your spouse, the more you will fear losing control of your spouse. And the more you fear losing control, the more you'll try to control them. And so you tighten the grip even more. The more you try to control your kids, the more you'll fear losing control of your kids. The more you fear losing control of your kids, the more you'll try to control your kids. And maybe the anxiety, the burden that you feel isn't because you're a failure as a spouse, failure as an employee, failure as a parent. Maybe you're trying to control something that you're not able to control. And maybe you're trying to control something that the Lord will never hold you accountable to. Right? In the same way, the Lord's not going to go, why didn't you make it rain on Thursday? Right? In the same way, you can't control people. You can't. You can. The more you try to, the more you'll fear not being able to. And the more you fear not being able to, the more you'll try to. And I have a better, a better path for us. And so all of us are like this to some degree, but I have one simple idea. And it's not an easy idea, but it's a simple idea. And it takes incredible faith. But if you can do this, on the other side of this one idea, you'll find the faithfulness of God. And here's the idea. You won't always have the power to control, but you will always have the power to surrender. You won't always have the power to control. You won't. In the vast majority of situations in your life, you will not be able to control. You may think you do. And during times where things are great, you may go, I'm so awesome. Look how smart I am with my finances. Look how great I am in my career. Look what a great parent, a spouse, a neighbor, or whatever. And then things happen outside of your control and you realize, oh, there's a whole lot more going on. And you weren't in control before. You influenced, but you weren't in control before and you weren't in control now. You won't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. You won't always have the power to get your kids to do whatever you want. You won't have the power to control the stock market. You won't have the power to control your spouse. You won't have the power to control what the doctor says about your health. But you always have the power to surrender. And this is Mary. This is Mary. We may look at Mary and go, man, this is so easy for Mary. I mean, she's Mary. Right? Like, I've been to, like, cathedrals named after her. I've seen statues of her. This is Mary. Elite Hall of Fame, right? You got to think Mary is probably 13 or 14 years old. Now, which that's a whole other conversation in front of their day of, like, is that, like, okay? Like, what do we feel about that? You know, should Joe be on a list? Like, what's going on here, you know? <clears throat> Not this Joe. Not our pastor Joe, but <laughs> Joe. Um, she's a teenager. She's a teenager, right? Angel comes in and goes, hey, you know all those dreams you have as a 13-year-old? As a 14-year-old, she's barely a teenager. Oh, her whole life is ahead of her. 
She's dreaming about what her family was going to be like, what her husband is going to be like, what her kids, her career, where she's going to live. Nothing but dreams. And then the angel comes up and goes, hey, it's not going to be like that at all. It's going to be totally different. Shame, ridicule. Actually, at the end of your life, we don't even know what happens to Joseph. But we know he's not in the picture. What happened? I don't know, but I guarantee it wasn't part of Mary's plan. Right? Maybe you have a couple kids, and then you're like, we're done. We got one of each. We collected all of them. We're good. And you have a bonus kid, and you're like, it's just not what we wanted. Maybe you're the opposite. You're like, man, I would do anything for a kid. And that hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. You pulled all the levers you can pull. You've taken the injections. You've gone to the doctor. It just hasn't happened. Maybe it's an empty chair at your house where it wasn't an empty chair before. You have all sorts of questions, right? Maybe <laughs> it's a health issue. Maybe it's a work issue. You're going, maybe this time the job is going to be what I thought it was going to be, and it's not panning out to be that way again. And here we go again. We all have experiences where our lives don't go the way it, it, we, we planned it out to be. Disturbed and confused. Disturbed and confused. And the thing is, Mary didn't know the ending. All she saw was confusion. So Mary had to choose. In the middle of the, the confusion, in the middle of being disturbed, she had to choose her dream or God's path. Choose, Mary. The angel didn't give her a ton of time. He's like, I'll be back Thursday. We'll talk this out. No. Her dream or God's path. Choose, Mary. Her plans or God's purpose. You got to choose, Mary. Her control or her calling. She had to choose. And here's what I love about Mary is even when she didn't understand the plan, she trusted her father. Even when she didn't understand, she trusted that God was up to something. She didn't go back to the angel and go, I need more clarity. I need more of a path. What's this going to look like in 30 days, 60 days? You know, what's the five-year trajectory of this career path? She goes, okay. I don't get it. Your answer, honestly, was not good. You need to work on that. Uh, but let it be according to God's will. Another thought is there's no such thing as partial surrender. There's no such thing as partial surrender. You can attend service and not be surrendered. You can go to church, you can tithe, you can serve and not be surrendered, but you can't partially surrender. Either you trust God with everything or you don't. Or you trust God with your health, with your finances, with your time, with your career, with your relationships, or you don't. And so question for you to wrestle with, and again, we tell you this all the time, our job on Sunday morning is to bother you. So here's a question I want, hope bothers you. What is your desire to control rooted in? For you. What is your desire to control rooted in? I had to process that for me. Here's what I think it is. For me. Okay, I'm not saying this is for you, for me. Lack of faith. It's really what it is for me. I tend to overestimate my ability to control and I underestimate the power of God. I underestimate the goodness of God. That's what it is. For, what is it for you? What is it that causes you to try to control? See, I grew up in a culture, both uh, in my house and in the kind of the, the world that I grew up in, that you have to make it happen. No one's going to do this for you. The system is not going to work for you. It's going to work against you. So you've got to make it happen. 
right? But see, Jesus taught something very different. He said in Matthew 10, he says this, if you cling to your life, you'll what? Lose it. If you cling to your life, if you white-knuckle it, if you're like, this is, I got to make this happen, you'll lose it. And you know this to be true, right? It's like trying to hold on to jelly, man. The, the, the more you try to squeeze it, the more you lose it. And we talked about this before, the more you try to hold on to your, your career or your spouse or your kids or whatever, your finances, you're like, I got to control this thing. The more you lose it, don't you? So Jesus goes out a, a different way. Hey, give up your life for me. Hey, you want to control it? Cool. Totally get it. Stop. Surrender. Surrender. And you'll find it. He sounds like Yoda. It's like, it's like, what? It's like, so if I want to really control it, I have to not control it and then I'll have it? That makes no sense. Yeah. See, to fully follow Jesus, you have to surrender control. You have to. And some of you guys are going, if you're feeling like I've made no progress with God, I feel like it's maybe transactional at best. Maybe you're trying to control God. That the way you pray is to try to get God to do things for you. Right? Maybe you're trying to do things to where you mess up. And you're going, man, if I say the right things, do the right things, punish myself enough, and I can get God to forgive me. That's a form of control. Jesus saying, no, 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 it's, it's, it's the work on the cross. No, 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 I got this, Jesus, thanks. I'll punish myself, and I'll let you know when you can forgive me. Right? It's control. It's control. So, to fully follow Jesus is to surrender control, to let it be. And surrendering control is not a one-time decision. It's every single day. So when Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, he said what? Take up your cross and follow me daily. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that are like, I've been following Jesus for 25 years or 30 years or whatever. Great. Do you know that you're a jerk today? I'm sure you were super kind and patient and generous and you helped build buildings and pay for whatever. Awesome. Somewhere along the way, you stopped following Jesus, but you kept going to church. Are you following Jesus today? So, I, I mean, you following Jesus for a few months or a few decades, great. And I'm, not, I'm not saying great. Like, what, I really mean that. Awesome. That's great. But follow Jesus today. You, can I let you know a secret? You know, one of the... You know, I grew up in a church where, you know, I have like this um, altar call moment, right? Where you say, I'm going to count down from three. And at the, when I count down to one, raise your hand if you want to follow Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and repeat this prayer after me kind of moment. And I think those are great. That's how I became a believer in a moment like that, okay, meaningful. Do you know why we don't do that? It's because I think sometimes it, that's why you've barely ever seen us do it, okay? It's not because we're unspiritual. It's because of this. Because we can make people think they set a magic incantation in a moment. So they made a decision once instead of they need to make a decision every day to follow Jesus. Right? So that's why we don't do that. So what the verbiage we say isn't will you pray a prayer? The verbiage is will you follow Jesus today? Do you choose to follow Jesus today? So Mary had to do this over and over and over again. She had to choose to surrender over and over and over. Can you imagine this when she said, hey, let it be, angel, According to God's will. And then she needs to go have a conversation with Joe. Hey, so I'm going to get prego. Right? Uh, no, it's not yours, obviously. Uh, 
but it's not another guy either. Right. Yeah, right. It's, no, God's going to get me pregnant. Okay. Right? Kudos to Joseph, honestly, for not going, yeah, you know what? Call it whatever you want. You need some me time. You, you need to, like, you need to you, you fall in love with someone else. I totally get it. Like, just call it off. But you don't, come on, don't, I'm not an idiot. Don't say God got me pregnant or God will get me pregnant. It's like, what is that? I plan on getting pregnant soon, not your baby. Like, what a weird way to celebrate your engagement. So, so she's going to have that conversation with Joseph, and she knows that man is going to be really weird, and he's not going to believe me. And then family finding out, all right? Mother-in-law, hey, so I talked to Joseph. What? Like, what? What's, I need to hear from you. Do you think we're dumb? Right? Later, uh, she ends up being on the run because she has this baby in a barn. It smells not like the JW, all right? It does not smell good. It's not what she dreamed. It's not like she's having this baby in this like, pretty cruddy environment and going, this is everything I hoped. This is the magical moment I wanted. And then right after that, she, they have to run for their lives, right? Because this mad king is trying to kill them. So they go to Nazareth, the last place they would want to live. But it's safe. And over and over and over again, she has to surrender. Okay, God, this is not what I wanted. This is not, this is not the plan. This really honestly stinks so bad. I surrender. I surrender. Look at my friend's Instagram and her wedding was awesome. She's skinny, right? I'm riding this donkey. The heck, right? How come I can't have the life they have? I surrender, I surrender. Fast forward. Fast forward, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane 30 years later. He's so stressed out because what he's about to experience, his capillaries are bursting. He's sweating blood, the Bible says, right? Anointed Messiah, blessed, obviously has the favor of God. There's a moment in the, earlier in the Gospels where the Father, you know, is speaking and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. This is my son who I'm well pleased, right? Listen to him, favored Messiah, but I think it's obvious to say that Jesus in that moment was confused. Jesus in that moment was disturbed. No peace. Didn't make any sense. It's not the way he wanted it to be. And he says the very same thing his mom said 30 years earlier. It says this in Luke chapter 22. It says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. In other words, hey, is any other way this thing can go down? I'm up for that. Right? This is not what I would prefer. This is not comfortable. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Nevertheless, let it be according to your will. Soon after that, he's beaten within an inch of his life and he's hanging on a cross. Who's there, the Bible says? Mary. Mary. Mary's watching Jesus suffer. Now, Mary's a follower of Jesus at this point, but you know who Mary is? She's also a mom right? Got to picture that. There's this duality that Mary is facing. One, as mama bear, like, I will kill all of you, right? And the other side is like, but I just want to hug you. This is not what she hoped for her son. I guarantee she's having flashbacks of like, 
little baby Jesus, right? And then she sees him bloody on the cross, literally a pool of blood at the bottom of the cross. Can't recognize him as a man anymore. Lacerations, you could see bone and, and muscle through the skin, through tears in the skin. I guarantee Mary is praying because <laughs> this is what any mom in her situation would do. Let me take his place. Let's switch. He's, he's young. Let me take his place. This is not the way I want my son to live. I don't want him to suffer. This is not what I wanted. Blessed and highly favored. Really? No one would take a snapshot of that and go, hashtag blessed. But this is what scripture shows as a picture of what blessed also looks like. Not saying getting a car is bad, getting a promotion is bad, getting a, none of that stuff is bad. But being in the center of God's will doesn't mean all that in the absence of pain. We get the sense of, man, if you're blessed, if you're, if you're in the presence of God, if you're favored by God, then everything's going to go great for you. And the problem with that is every single one of the early leaders of the church all were executed. None of them cashed in their 401ks, right? So then Jesus says, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then as far as everyone concerned, the story's over. Now, we know the story's not over, but they thought they did. It was. See, there's this idea that when you're in God's will, you will always have peace. We've, we've we heard this, right? Where it's like, well, I know this is the right decision because I have a peace about it. Right? You know Jonah, when he was in complete disobedience to what the Lord is asking him to do, had a complete peace about it? He was asleep. Complete disobedience, completely the opposite of what God was asking him to do. Total peace, knocked out, taking a sweet old nap. Did you have Mary? Confused and disturbed, Jesus sweating blood, no peace, but the very center of God's will. Distress is not proof that you are not in God's will. Confusion is not proof that you are not in the center of God's will. Mary would disagree that you need peace to follow God. Mary would disagree that you cannot be confused and also follow God that you cannot be confused and also be blessed. So the big question is this. It's the big question I want you to wrestle with today. What is it that you're trying to control that God wants you to surrender? What is it? And here's the thing. You probably don't have to think about it that hard. You know what it is, right? You know what it is. It's probably popped up in your head multiple times while we've been talking this morning. You know what it is. You're like, yeah, but talk, you don't know my situation. I know. I don't know the details. I don't need to know the details. But you know, and you know what the Holy Spirit is kind of going, let's, let's talk about that. What is it that you're trying to control that God wants you to surrender? Because God can do way more with your surrender than you can do with your control. Let me say that again. God can do way more with your surrender than you can do with your control. Follow-up question is this. What's heavy in your heart? What's heavy in your heart? is much better off in his hand. What's heavy in your heart, and all of us, man, all of us have things that, we tend to think that, you know, our life is hard, but everyone else's life is easy. All of our lives are hard. All of us have things that are heavy in our hearts. And whatever is heavy in your heart, that thing is kind of anchoring your heart down, that's better off in God's hand. It is. 
It is. And for me, I've had to repent so much this week because there's so much in my life I'm trying to control. In my life and my family and our church, even for, for you guys, I pray for you guys all the time because I want so much for you. Like I want, I know that your life is best serving God fully. I know that your life is best surrendering to God fully, trusting him fully, fully engaging with his plan for your life. I know your life is best pushing past your comfort zones. I know your life is best when you're using the influence, the talents that God's given you to influence people and then leveraging that influence to, in, to invite people into that journey of faith, inviting people to your small group, to church, into your house for a meal. I know that's the best life possible. I know that at the end of your life, you're going to go, yes, that was the best way to spend my time, my money, my influence, my gifts. But I can't control you. And if I try to control you, you'd probably leave. If I try to control you, you should leave. Can I just say that? But I have to surrender you to God. Praying that you will surrender to God. Isn't that a weird dichotomy? Like, I have to surrender you to God, praying that you surrender to God. So, he's calling you on an adventure of faith, to walk in the unknown. Question is, will you say yes? Will you follow God, even when it makes no sense? Will you follow God, even when he asks you to do something that goes against what you had planned, because maybe they weren't his plans? Will you follow God when they're inconvenient? Will you follow God when you wonder, what will people think if I do this, if I make this decision? Who cares? Who cares? Honestly. So you're going to live your life trying to impress people? Really? That's what you're going to make your life about? Impressing other people? You're better than that. Your calling is more important than that. So even in the midst of being disturbed, in the midst of being confused, God asks you to trust him. To say yes, to say, okay, let it be. Let it be. I got tons more questions, but let it be. You can trust him. You can trust him. And I think he's the only one you really can. Way more than you can trust me. Way more than you can trust anybody else in this world. So with that, what are you trying to control that God is asking you to surrender? Big question. Hope it keeps you up at night. All right, let me pray for you. God, as we enter into this holiday season, we want it to be about the presence of God. God, we invite you into all the spaces in our lives and our hearts that uh, we've kind of crowded you out with other things, with worry, with materialism, with selfishness, with whatever, God, with control. And God, we just, would you help us to have the spirit that Mary had to follow you even when it doesn't make any sense? God, to follow you especially when it doesn't make any sense. God, would you encourage those in the room that they're burdened, they're heavy, their hearts are heavy, God. I pray that would you take that burden from them Would they feel the lightness of God would they leave feeling lighter than they feel right now God we commit this to you you know every situation God we just want to live lives that make a difference for you we want to remember you this holiday season in Jesus name amen as Pastor Taco is preaching um about what we picture about blessed people. I just want to read a passage to you. I won't provide a lot of commentary, but I just want to hear a very famous story in the Bible about a very, very blessed man that had everything stripped away. 
Now I'm going to read out of Job 1. It says this. There was once a man named Job who lived in the land of Oz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 females donkey. Very clear of a very, very blessed, highly favored man. And as you read the story, the Bible says that Satan goes up to the heavenlies, has a meeting with God, and they start talking about, yo, what are you doing? And God says this, hey, have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all of the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. And then Satan goes, yo, the only reason why he blesses you the only reason why he worships you is because he has all of these donkeys, all of these oxen, a beautiful wife and children. Now listen to this. All right. Cool. You may test him, the Lord said. Do whatever you want. Take, do whatever you want with everything he possesses. But don't harm him physically. So Satan lived the Lord's present as you read. You find this, I don't, I don't get it to this day. I don't even understand it. But he loses his wife, loses his kid, one after the other. And he's left at the end of this chapter. And he goes up to God and goes, I came naked from a mother's womb. And I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken away. Praise the name of the Lord. And then the chapter ends with this verse. In all of this, Job did not sin, but blame in God. I think we can all understand this story for those that are parents, even if you're not a parent. It's easy to bless. It's easy to praise God when all of it is good. But here we have a man. Lost it all. And even at the end of this, he surrendered it all to Jesus. Surrendered it all to God. And can I encourage you today? Because I know this message challenged me. Let's surrender. It's a daily thing. It's a daily challenge. One day it will look different. One day it will sound different. But let us surrender it all to God. A couple of quick things before we are officially dismissed. Again, uh, every, every time we gather together, we take a free will offering. Uh, there's many different ways to do that. You could do that online. You could do that in the generosity box as we leave. But we also just, well, I know that some of you, I know for my family, we love, we try, we try to do this. We try to give our first gift to the Lord during the Christmas time. And if that's what you want to do and partner with us, we encourage you to do that as well. There's a connection card again right behind you. It is there just for us to connect with you, uh, do life with you. If you are here today, you will fill that out. You could take that to the new here booth uh, and exchange it for a free gift. And again, right before we dismiss, if, if any of this message just resonated with you and you want to hold back a little bit more and just worship alongside of us with any prayer, there's going to be a team back here who will love to pray with you and journey with you. Um, and as we end, if you don't mind just lifting up your hands like this, like we do every single service, and let us pray. Lord, we just want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, for the message. Thank you, Lord, for challenging us through the words that you place and talk us, Lord. I pray, Father, that if there's anybody inside this room, Lord Jesus, who needs you, that they will find you, Lord. If there's anybody inside this room who needs to find love, joy, peace, that they will be able to find that inside this place. And for those who are watching the line, 
I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will bless them as well. Meet them exactly where they're at. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.